Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of You Hate to See It. I'm Adam. I'm Jeff. I'm Nick. And today we are joined by a stand-up comedian, writer, actor, director, producer, um, and also, according to IMDb, self for three credits. (laughs) Um, Please welcome uh, Keith Nelson. Keith, how are you today? (laughs) Hey, man. I can barely produce a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so you do stand-up comedy, and we love stand-up comedy here. Yeah. So, so what kind of what what are uh, what kind of like ex- brands of stand-up comedy are you? Um, hopefully funny. Okay, like, that's a good one. <laughs> hopefully, when I stop, then they laugh. That's usually the brand. Okay. Um, kind of people describe me as the. I don't know. The, the thing I'm getting now is the kind of cool, cool dad, older dad. So, because I talk a lot about it being at the beginning of old, and then I do a lot of stuff about my dad being old, stuff like that. And then uh, I got the other stuff, kind of religion and crime in the middle of my act, and women and men and all that crap at the end. So, mm-hmm. kind of me in the front, the stuff I like to talk about in the middle, and then the candy at the end, I guess. That'd be <laughs> the best to describe it. Dad comedy is what I grew up with. I grew up watching uh, Bill Engvall and Jeff Foxworthy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's so the comedy I. I grew up with. I middled for those guys in A-rooms uh, right before I got bumped up. And then I got bumped up and had Ron White okay. as my middle and um, Dan Whitney, who, of course, became Larry the Cable Guy. So... Those are hard weeks when you got to follow those guys doing 30. Yeah. <laughs> uh, find out if you're really funny real quick. It's crazy <laughs> hearing Larry yes. the Cable Guy. I just saw I just his... saw that video. Yeah, I yeah. saw that video last week. It's it's unsettling. Right where he's talking it just like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. It's unsettling. It's weird yeah. when like you grew up watching him. And then you find out that, like, that's not what he sounds like on a day-to-day. It's not even his name. Right. Like, yeah, not, well, obviously, know, but. Same thing with Bobcat Goldthwait. He locked himself into that, you know, kind of thing. And then when he tried to go back to being himself, they wouldn't let him. Yeah, I, so. I saw Bobcat um, a couple years ago. And he, like, right at the beginning of the show, he's like, all right and for anyone who wants me to go he's like that's it that's all i do my voice can't handle it anymore now we're moving on like yeah he's like an opera singer that got too old and blew his voice out yeah i I don't do Pavarotti's not here anymore (laughs) (laughs) with your stand-up what are like um what what have been some of your best shows that you've done best locations best atmosphere Oh, it's definitely, this is going to be sound crazy because so many people rag on it, but then you get on it and you realize, oh, it's the people ragging on it are the people that can't get on there. It's definitely cruise ships. Really? The audiences are just fantastic. And um, they want, they're there to have a good time and they're they're great audiences, which is weird because they don't pay anything to get in. Obviously, it's part of the cruise. So you'd think they'd be, I'm not saying they're not hard, but man if they like you they're into it and most i'd say 90 percent of the shows you do are packed 
How long but, are you on the cruise ship for yeah. then? Because I know like they go out for a while. Like, are you on multiple like cruises back to back? Are you on like, with like-, like like July? I'm doing two weeks in a row, same ship. Uh, but normally the ship leaves a port, they go out for a week, they come at the end of the week, then new people get on. Sometimes I do two weeks. I just did uh, two weeks, then I was off for a week. This week I'm doing one week, then I'm going home for a week, and then I'm doing two weeks. Then I'm going home for two weeks. So is it like just a free What's cruise that? to you i said is it just like a free cruise to you after like when you're not doing your sets like do you get to kind of just do whatever anyone else um, would do i i mean it's weird because i don't know you're working so i mean i never think of it oh good i get to go on a cruise <laughs> uh i always think of it as i'm going to work but i mean obviously it's a good job i get yeah. paid pretty well for it and people enjoy it there's usually a day off once a week where there's no comedy. There's one day off. So that's the day I kind of chill in the sun and walk, you know, maybe go into port or something. If it's at like the Bahamas or St. Thomas or St. Martin or, you know, Somalia. So, <laughs> great place to go to port. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, like, I on, I, you know, when I was on North Korean cruise lines, which is a long cruise, seven years, very hard to get off. They have um, really high quality medicinal RPGs. Yeah. I'm one of the few people on North Korean cruise lines to actually make it out of my cabin to the pool. And I went down the uh, slide and it shot me right back into my cabin. So so when you're uh, doing comedy on a cruise, do you have to have different sets or? Yes. Okay. That's, that's why I think of the guys that complain about cruises. They don't, first of all, they're not good enough to get on the cruises because all the guys are good. You have to have, and it just depends on which ship you're on. Like on Carnival, you have to have two adults, 30 minutes, and one squeaky clean, 30 minutes. That's the minimum. What they really want you to have is uh, five different shows. But there's not very many people that have two and a half hours of material. I mean, 90 is a lot. Then on Norwegian, I think it's 245s. Uh, Holland, it's uh, 45 and 20. And then... I think Royal is like two different thirties. It's but so it just depends on which ship you're on. And if you're bad, do they just throw you overboard? Is that, yeah, is that, okay. yeah, yeah. That's take you up to the tenth floor and drop you. I was gonna say that's a long fall. The cruise ships yeah, are massive. <laughs> yeah, you actually you're falling so far that halfway down you can't scream anymore because you're too tired to scream. <laughs> Just waiting for the impact with the water at that point. <laughs> Couldn't you drop me off on the fifth floor so I could scream all the way down? Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you have time to like catch your breath before you hit the water. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's important. Honestly, you might have enough time to ride another set, and you might halfway yeah. down be like, "Wait, guys, I have it now." Yeah. <laughs> Give me another yeah. chance. Pull that bungee cord up. Yeah. Uh, do you think maybe uh, those sets? like those people are always better because a like most of them will probably see it as free even though they like it's pay it's in their fees and so they might like they instinctively Uh, think it's free so they just care less it's weird because i think they're truly there to have a good time so that's probably in your favor but then i've heard stories horror stories i heard this one comic last october he gets on and he's in the main theater they had a thousand people in there and literally, like two minutes in, the whole room just got up and walked out on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, just hated it. And I'm like, wow, that would be. Yeah, that's rough. And then you're stuck a, there for another 
Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to get heckled by one or two people. It's another thing that everybody just says, you suck and get up and leave. In two minutes, how do you fuck up so yeah. bad in two minutes? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, For man. everyone, for literally everyone. Yeah, it's like, what joke did you say that offended that many people? <laughs> did you just come out and be straight racist to everyone? Here's the crazy thing. I worked with him in February for a week, and he was fine. He was, he was good. So I'm like, I heard the story after I'd worked with him about 600 people walking out on him. And I was just like, wow. I glad, that didn't, glad that didn't happen to me. Yeah. I, I you. see people being like, feel a little bit better about like, even if it's not that funny to be like, well, at least like, this isn't ruining my time. Like, I'm here relaxing. Like, this is just like my hour of my evening of, but I'm on a cruise ship. So it's not like, like, if you're going to like a stand up comedy show in real world, outside yeah. it, it's like kind of like it's a hassle to go to the i think 95 percent of those people really likes watching comedy mm-hmm. you know they're there to party they like comedy there's five percent that come in sometimes it might not even be five percent but you get people that are drunk because they've been you know it's not a good thing to drink all day in the sun yeah with salt air i mean you want to talk about dehydration yeah and then go to a comedy show drunk I, <laughs> I reminds I, me yeah. of, reminds me of a story. I uh I went to the Bahamas I don't know like five or six years ago, and it was like an all inclusive hotel, and you could like sign up to like have a gazebo on the beach, and like you had like a personal bartender, and I, we rented it from like ten a.m. to like eight p.m. or something, and I was sitting out there, and by like noon, I was like hammered because i was just dehydrated in the sun oh, salt yeah. water like 50 feet from me <laughs> like i was it's like, like drinking oh, in a man. hot tub it's just it's death good time though i mean i i'd do it again i'd make that mistake again <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah it's, i've never it's been economical <laughs> yeah sure i've never been on I mean, a cruise so that's like you know, on my bucket I mean, list i mean sex is fun it's the gonorrhea it's a downer <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Luckily, I haven't had that problem. Well, <laughs> Nick, tell him your story about gonorrhea. Uh, so the burning, you get used to it. Sure. It, 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 eventually and look it's at just, you. It's just, you haven't uh, gone blind. You're, you're coherent. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. he does have who, hairy palms. So who, yeah. I mean. <laughs> who, who, who are we to judge? <laughs> so the what's like your... thing, The important thing is you pulled out and didn't get her pregnant. Yes, yes, yes. So avoided the you got the big G, but you avoided the lawyer's face. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have like a I don't know how I want to put this. Like, do you have a like a city that you just like haven't had a good experience at? Or oh, like yeah. just like had like you just don't like going there? Not only do I not like going there, I'll never go there again. <laughs> There's a couple. There's uh the ones that pop up would be like Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> of course, it's Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, Elizabeth City, New Jersey. Well, that's uh, Jersey. Yeah. Starkville, I had a gun pointed at me. Uh, Shreveport. Like during and, the show or like after? Like... During the show. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I did two clan jokes and a guy in the front row pulled a gun on me. <laughs> 
and said, fucker, move to another subject. And so I looked at the bouncers. They didn't do anything. And then I just made a joke. I just said, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the racial portion of our show. Could I have a new pair of shorts? And I got a big laugh. The guy pulls his shirt up, put his gun back in his shirt, and I finished the show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my gun story. Jesus. That's... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a new one. That's for sure. Yeah. Nothing I think I've ever ever heard before or would even expect like no especially like how it ended like no one did anything like what right. yeah 500 people in the room and nobody did anything what yeah, so i won't be i, I won't curious. be returning to i won't be returning to starkville <laughs> so so what were your other crazy things that have happened Freeport, this is how long ago this was this must have been 91 i was headlining steve harvey was the middle Wow. And they kept calling the N-word and heckling him. And the management didn't do anything. So I got on stage and one of the women that had been heckling him said something to me. And I said, listen, you, and I used the C word. I said, if you say one more word, I'm going to take this microphone stand and ram it up your ass. <laughs> and any of you assholes with her. And then I proceeded to die for 45 minutes. <laughs> And then on Monday, the booker calls me and he was really, it's really funny. He goes, he's from Texas. He used to be Buddy Holly's manager a long time ago. It's really old dude. And he says to me, Keith, they've requested that you not come back to Shreveport. <laughs> and I go, I, I go, Ken, I'll never go back to Shreveport. They could b offer me a house and I wouldn't. And then I told him the story and he said, hey, man, I'm really sorry. And then he continued to work me in all his other rooms, but I never went back to Shreveport after that. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> um, Comedy's dangerous, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this isn't even be. like modern day comedy yeah. like this. No. Is like No. And then I've been in, I've had, I've been in one fist fight where a guy threw a beer at me and then I, I never got booked back in that room. He threw a beer at me and hit me in my suit. And then I jumped over the table and kind of gave him a thrashing. And then that was the last <laughs> time I worked that room. So. Did you proceed to do 45 minutes after that one or? <laughs> no, that was the end of the show. Have you ever worked anywhere with like chicken wire, like shady, yeah, really um, shady places? No, but I played, it's funny you should mention that. I played, a basketball game because I played two years overseas. I played one year in South America and then one year in Asia. And we had a game in, um, oh shit, 81 Valparaiso, Chile. We come in and the first thing we notice is we're walking across the gym floors. There's chicken wire to keep, you know, in the, in the, in the stadium car. So we go, oh, this is going to be interesting. So the fans are yelling shit and stuff, and they're throwing. When you come down their side of the sideline, they throw pennies and hit you in the head and shit. <laughs> so, but we're leading. There's five minutes to go. We're leading by 20. And then all of a sudden, the rest just start making these horrendous calls against us. And we end up winning the game by one point. And then in broken English, we're walking off the court, and the fans are throwing shit and screaming shit. And the refs come by and go, hey, we make it interesting, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Where was this one? Valparaiso, Chile. Jesus. So, yeah. so you you played what? Just pro pro and outside of the U.S. Yeah, one year in South America and one year in Asia. And I'll tell you another story. I played. We played a game up in uh, 
I think it's called Santa Maria. It's on the coast of Colombia. We check into the hotel and there was holes in my window and some of the other place. So we go up to the front desk goes, what's with the holes in the window? Uh, Senor, we recommend you take your mattress and put it on the floor and sleep on the floor. We've been having a little problem with the drug wars lately. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So we need to add professional basketball player to the IMDb. So. I don't know. If I think there's, yeah, I think there's some like basketball yeah, at the bottom or something. We're under special skills, you know, <laughs> like Liam Nelson, Neeson. I have a set of special skills. You think in your prime, you could be Adam Sandler? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be very, very ugly. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> These guys think, look, man, I, look, not to pat myself on the back, but I was a 7 4 high jumper. And then I did hold the, master's record at 45 for the high jump at 6-6 for that age group 45 to 49 so i was still playing in a leagues and a leagues and 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 rec ball till i was about 52 and then finally i I just decided okay i've had enough (laughs) or maybe they had enough of me (laughs) finally just hung them up yeah yeah I put 10 pounds on and I started doing Kung Fu and I was like, I wasn't, it just hurt too much the next day, my lower back and the knees and shit just starts breaking down. You know, it's like my ex-wife. <laughs> Do you have a, uh, who's like, who are your like top three favorite comics you've ever like worked Ooh, with or three. like done shows with? God, three. That's a tough one. Oh, that I've done shows with. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Oh man, that's really I'm just cool. interested since you've worked. No, with, because there's like, so many Steve. guys. I there's so many guys. I mean, you know, Angle pops into the, the, my mind. I there's ten, probably ten guys I've worked with that are really, really good. I'm just like when I was middle in A rooms because I worked with so many good guys before I got bumped up, like Angle, Brian Reagan, Rich Scheidner, uh, Larry Miller. Man, that guy would do 60 minutes squeaky clean and just kill. It's it's when you watch those guys, it's like, and I was pretty good at that point. I would like tear up a room in 30 minutes, and then you go, Oh, let's see these guys follow that. And then they just go up and do it. And you just go, fuck. Man, this guy's really good. Um, um yeah, those guys come to mind. Um <sighs> Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good list. Um, then guys I've seen live, I don't know, Rock is Rock is probably my favorite. Rock and Chappelle. Um, They're both really good. Yeah. yeah. My favorite though of all time, my favorite thing I've ever seen to this day, I watch it once a week just for inspiration, is Ricky Gervais the last time he was on the Globes. It's seven oh. million minutes of just brilliance. I love Ricky Gervais. He's oh my young. God. So good. I, to go out and they know they're going to get roasted and they hate him. And he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He, he did some jokes on that one where he goes, 
what was the joke he did? Oh, it was just he, brilliant. He, he, said, he did something with Epstein. I remember that. He yeah, like an he goes, joke. he goes, I, I, he said he brought up Epstein and then he goes, and all you pedophiles out there. And then they started to boom. And he goes, I know he's your friend, but I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I think uh, I think Ricky Gervais should host every award show. And dude, because I also, think he should be made. I think he should be made the host of every award shows till he dies. Between yeah, Ricky Gervais and Neil Patrick Harris, like the two of them, Neil host everything. Oh and God, I dude. know Ricky Gervais would turn around and beat the shit out of Will Smith. Like, if Will oh, Smith yeah. got up on stage, Ricky Gervais would be like, let's fucking go. Like, took the slap and didn't do anything. I was stunned. I would not have done that. I would have I would have gone it, to it, prison. It <laughs> like, looked like he wanted to, but yeah. I mean, the retaliation yeah. from that would have been horrible. Well, what about uh, Chappelle getting uh, mugged Tackle. on stage? Yeah. Yeah. People just, you know, um, I'm a third degree black belt, but if you come on stage, I'm taking the stool. Yeah. And, that, and you know, the bottom of those legs, you're going to get one of those legs right in the ribs or the face. Yeah. You're getting, one leg, you're getting one leg in the ribs and you're getting the other leg right in the face and see see if you want to rush my stage again. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I, know why. Like, if you don't. They need to do it to Joe team. Rogan. While yeah. Joe Rogan's up there, like on stage, <laughs> someone needs to rush that man. I would love to watch him just yeah. jitsu your ass into the next world. Yeah, I'm like, if you don't like a comedian's joke, just shut up and move on. Like, I, I, what's I the seriously point? don't get it. Like Carlin said, change the channel, walk out. No one's forcing you to be here. Yeah. I had a guy, because um, they do, so the hardest shows are usually the late night on the last night of the crew, because people are just tired and they're drunk, and they rotate. Some cruises, you do the late one, and another cruise, the next guy does it. And then th this was about two months ago. I had the late show, and then there, there was only about 30 people in the audience, and they were spread out. And normally the room is, has about 250 people in it. So the rest of the people were just packing to get ready to leave the next day. And I'm literally taking the mic out of the stand and this guy starts fucking with me. So I kind of look at him, I go, really, dude? I haven't even done my first joke and you're already messing with me. He goes, that's because I'm the entertainment. <laughs> and I go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was the entertainment. My mistake, my faux pas. And then for the next 15 minutes, I couldn't get to a punchline. He just kept interrupting. And at first I tried being nice, then I tried being nasty, and I just tried nailing him. And the problem was the host they have on the ships, the comedy host, and they're usually from another country, and they're not really comedians. They just kind of bring you up and tell the audience the ground rules and then bring you up. They're just basically there to introduce you. Well, this guy, this was his first show. He was a new guy. The host that had done it the whole week had already left the room. So I didn't really want to throw him under the bus because the normal thing is you just say, get security in there and get this idiot out of here mm -hmm. but i don't want to get him in trouble and cause a brouhaha my last night so but finally dude i finally at 15 minutes i go hey dude i'm done with you shut the fuck up <laughs> no one wants to listen to you you're a fucking idiot you're not letting me do my act you're just an asshole shut the fuck up and then as soon as i got off stage I just walked over to the sound booth in the back and stayed there until everybody was out. Because I go, the last thing I want to do is get in a fight with this idiot. 
and get in trouble on my last night on the ship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I was not to to say I was not a happy camper at that point would be an understatement. <laughs> Outside of that guy, what's been your well, I guess what's been your favorite heckling moment of someone heckling you um, that turned out well? <laughs> oh, those happen all the time. Like um you just because just in the 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 last one I remember I was doing the PG show and, and on the cruises the kids could come see kids I've had I've had people sitting in this front row with babies, you know. Mm-hmm. So this kid said something to me. He was eleven, and I kind of nailed him. And then I go, "What grade are you in?" I go, "He says fifth grade or something." I go, "I said, how's your cursive writing?" And he goes, "What?" <laughs> He didn't know what cursive was. And I go, I go, he goes, what's cursive? And I go, well, for you, that's what I do in the adult show. So get a fake ID and come see me 30 minutes from now. <laughs> and the audience went nuts because they knew, you know, he didn't know what cursive was. So then I, you know, the idea of cursive. So just stuff like that, you know. I had a lady, what was it? That was another one. Oh, I had a lady about two months ago on Carmel. And she was just, she was in the front row and she was white trash. She was from Tennessee or something. She's just, just wearing the worst clothes and just shit faced. And she, she couldn't even help herself. It wasn't even like she was trying to be an idiot. She just was an idiot. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even remember what I said, but it just, I, I was supposed to do 30 minutes. I would say 15 minutes was off of her. And it just <laughs> got to the point where the audience just wanted to kill her. That's just so terrifying. <laughs> And then you'd see her on the ship the rest of the week, and everywhere you'd see her, she was just trashed. So it was just like she had eventually she had apparently come on the ship and just gone on a one week binge. I mean, I feel like that's what you do on a cruise ship. Though. Yeah, like I'm sitting yeah. here and I'm like, like I understand all the sober people hating it, but that's living the life. Like that's yeah. Oh, she was living it. Yeah. I'm like, just to be that drunk, not care, and just enjoy yourself to that extent, like, hey, fuck yeah. I was like, impressed that she made it from her cabin to my show that drunk. <laughs> I give her credit. Honestly, uh, it's probably not where she was trying to go. Yeah. No. She's <laughs> to find the other she, bar. She actually probably thought she was still in her cabin. <laughs> Going to uh, some of your other works that you've done. So you directed and uh, were in uh, and wrote uh, the, a pilot, Electives. Yeah, boy, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did this because this, I used to be a school teacher. So I came up with this idea of this show and I brought this girl in to do it with me. And then we got a deal but it was with a black production company mm-hmm. and my agent's black, but she's still my agent today. And so I'm all excited. And then my partner says, well, uh, and this is what made me mad. It was my idea for the show. I just brought her in to kind of help you help with production, you know, cause I didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to star in my show, direct it and write, you know, I didn't want to overload myself with all that production crap. Mm-hmm. So, but I did put eight thousand of my money, borrowed fifteen from my mom. So my money was all in that thing. And um, then she tells me, 
I'm not giving our show over to a black production company so they can replace all our actors with black people. Oh, what the hell? Dude, so I had to call my agent and say, hey, by the way, this show's not going to happen because my partner's a racist. What? Oh, my God. Well, that's unfortunate. Dude, that that was in 2015. That took me about three years to get over. Yeah. I was so upset. And you couldn't, like, get rid of your partner? I'd have to get her to sign off. And she's one of these... Boy, I learned a lesson, though. Be careful who you work with. Mm-hmm. Just e- ego, you know, there, man, there's some people, there's somebody in this business, man, you run into some people, that their narcissism is so far off the charts. I, I really can see where people get in screaming matches or go crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. We're still on the edge with Nick, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, that's, that's fair i've been here for two and a half years and honestly yeah it's uh, rough i i think we're at so we're down from two hours a week of yelling at just me to i want to say about 90 minutes yeah sure. it's so, a hard yeah. it's yeah my, we, we I, had yeah, to cut back the schedules yeah yeah so. well you seem like a pretty tense guy yeah oh yeah the <laughs> tense is i'm everything drives me crazy <laughs> yeah. it's probably the gonorrhea yeah, yeah, yeah honestly, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So between uh, writing electives and also uh, being a writer on eight episodes of Not for Nothing, um, <sighs> what's what do you see as the difference between writing like a stand-up show versus writing for TV? Um, well, first of all, when you write stand-up, you know, I'm it's me in a room with a legal pad. Mm-hmm. Um. As Seinfeld said, you know, as soon as you get into TV or movies, it's collaborative. So you got to work with other people. And sometimes, as I just said, and I regress, you get crazy people. So that becomes difficult in an already difficult situation. You know, you're already doing 14 hours a day. and uh, You know, you got to be highly focused, but yet relaxed. Um, so, yeah. Um, but the good thing is, you know, if you've done comedy and written for yourself, and if you're a little bit self-aware, then you should be okay working with other. Although a lot of comics are kind of crazy too. So that's, I'd say 75% of them are crazy. And then there's 25% of them that, you know, you could have in your house as a guest and they'd, it'd be okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've gotten to the point now I'm old enough. I just try to stay away from them. And, you know, I, I, like when I'm in their in their presence, it's like, okay, this guy's crazy. I need to go to the other side of the room. You know, <laughs> I just try to avoid him. When I was younger, I was probably one of them too. So then it's like, you know, you're so wrapped up in your own shit, you don't notice that everybody else is crazy. But as you get older and you kind of chill out, or you get with the right person and you're able to breathe a little bit, it's kind of like it's kind of like before you're you're in the water drowning, and then if you get with a good person or kind of become a little more self-aware, then now you're up on a life raft, kind of looking around going, oh, there's a sky, there's an island over here. This is kind of cool. Yeah. That's the difference. So, and then can you tell us a little bit about your experience working on Not For Nothing? Um, well, that wasn't my project. So that was another guy's project. So he brought me in and uh, it was okay. Um the part I played, I wasn't wild about it, but you know, like, again, that was his show. 
Um, and it's good. It's good to do these shows because even when it, if it's like we did eight episodes, then we, you know, then COVID came. So then there wasn't any more episodes to do. But it's, it's good to get those things under your belt because you can see what you did good and what you did bad and then kind of learn from that. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something else. You realize why a guy like Eastwood or Scorsese, uh, when you get good people, then you understand why they just work with the same people all the time. Yeah. Because why would you want to risk taking that person out and then bringing in a crazy person? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the one thing I've learned. I do not want to work with crazy people. It's well, too long of a day. <laughs> I'd yeah, rather be under, I, I would rather be unemployed sitting home with my cats than working with crazy people. Uh, do you know what the big leap is? Or no? Who? The Big Leap. Do you know what that show was? Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, so it's basically... Oh, uh, it's kind of like a dance competition show, like a reality, like office, the office parks and recreation type yeah, dance yeah. competition, um, where they follow these people, these real people around, um, uh, and are they're trying to find like high school dance competitors that didn't, for whatever reason, weren't able to pursue professionally and make them professional, and right, that's right. The sh- and then just the funniness of like the office parks and rec interview style stuff. Um, and they, uh, they had a shot, a scene of like their really strict mean dance teacher coaching them through stuff on stage. And then the main actor and uh, the main character and his kind of sidekick are having like a moment talking to each other. And I'm sitting in this auditorium and I watch them do all this stuff and then they send out to all of the dancers and stuff so that way they can just do close-ups of these two actors talking. And I'm sitting there like in tears because like I, in all of my work, I haven't really been able to just sit there and watch for like and do nothing really like and put all my focus on that. And for this, I was able to sit there for an hour and a half and just watch these two guys act together and I had no work to do. And I was like in tears being like, I'm watching like a real moment. Like I was like blown away with the acting and the, like the atmosphere of that. And that's why I love theater so much. But then I watched right. the episode on TV and there was no magic there. I was like, all right, like, <laughs> I guess, guess that was just for the, those of us in the room because I didn't feel the same watching it, but. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I like. Yeah, because, you know, theater and TV is different. Yeah, I'm. I and, love and, theater. You know, the, I, um, an example was. Did, did I tell you about this when I was uh, up in Boston and I went out with my friend uh, one night and he took his silver Buick. He had a seventy-five silver Buick. It was really cool. And we went down to uh, Falmouth to drink and we were going to get hammered, right? Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to drive him drunk. So we took this kid, Stevie, who was playing pool, and we threw him the 20 because he's going to drive our whole car down the home the next day. But he gets drunk and passed out in the back of our car. So now we're trying to drive back to Boston the next night, shit-faced, cars going all over the place. We wrap the car around a pole. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, now that's a, a scene from a David Mammoth play that I just did. That's mm-hmm. like a page. But could you tell any difference between that and when I was talking right before I was talking. Yeah. No. That's TV and movie <laughs> acting. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, 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 no, I, I just, I love theater so much. I watched, uh, I had a theater minor in college and I, I watched so much theater. And the the good thing about theater is you can take a theatrical actor, uh, because again, the whole thing is projection and, you know, making sure everybody in the theater can hear you and see what you're doing. And then you just, if you, if you can t- if you're a good director, you should be able to take a theater actor and say, okay, I want you to write what you're doing now. Just bring it down. Mm-hmm. Give me less and less and less of that. Because, you know, there's a different difference between doing that and even what we're doing right now, which is like, you know, I'm in a really small box here and so are you. So that's totally different than, I mean, right now you're barely moving your head. Yeah. But, you know, it's real. Nobody would think you're acting right now. Yeah. It's real. But you're still because you're in a small area. Well, yeah, like the whole difference is like to to make the audience feel uncomfortable for you in a theater is different than in the film or TV because like different things. Because like to make the audience feel uncomfortable, all it really means is like putting the camera here. Yeah. Like now we're all uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't like like that. Please don't do that again. And that like that's all it took. And um, but yeah, I watched, I wish I could remember the name of the play, but um it was on a the set was on a turntable, and so there was three sets all within each other, and it would turn around for whatever was happening. And it was God, uh, it, it it was a black family living i think in chicago i don't remember the time period that was supposed to be in but like uh, i think it might have been fences because that's the that sounds very similar to fences yeah uh, like so it's just uh, uh, basically just a black family going through just normal turmoil that black people had to go through back in the day and like uh, like the the actors in it who were just college students were phenomenal and yeah. I like I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like it, it was one of the very first plays that I watched that I forgot I was watching a play like right. I, I I was there like with yeah. them feeling their thing like I was like hovering over them kind of experience like just watching right. it that's when you know it's out. good and I like it was like uh, it, something happens that like they addressed the audience for something and right. like all of a sudden I got taken out and I was like oh god like this has been so powerful like this is amazing the and, last one I saw was it was a one man show of the screw tape letters C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters um, oh yeah yeah and that that was amazing for a traveling show at a community college <laughs> yeah yeah have you ever, uh, have you ever seen a, like a one man show in theater, Keith? Um, yeah. How how would you s- describe like doing a, like a one man theater production versus doing stand up? Well, stand like a one man show is usually the thread is there's a story that mm-hmm. runs through it. You know, like I the one I saw was Lenny Bruce. Um, whereas when I'm doing stand up, I kind of go from you know there's a chunk of material about my dad then there's a chunk of material about my brother then there's um, a chunk of material about driving then crime then religion and then dating and women and marriage and then the end 
So there's chunks. Um, the threads are usually the last joke about, you know, my dad sets up the first joke about my brother and the last joke about my brother. Like last joke I do about my brother is he got two DUIs, you know, and he doesn't even care. You know, the cops pull him over. Sir, you've been drinking. And my brother's like, yeah. And the cop says, well, how many of you had? 23. Well, how can you remember that? Because there's 24 in a case and I got one left. You want to share it with me? <laughs> right? So that, then the next joke about driving is about jaywalking. So drinking and driving ends up being jaywalking. And then, um, you know, then my last joke about jaywalking is about the cops are trying, you know, giving jaywalking tickets to homeless people. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm talking about cops and that leads into the crime material. Mm -hmm. So every bit has a segue into the next, but they're basically just jokes mostly. Yeah. Whereas like a play, a one man show, you could be telling jokes, but there should be a thread of a story there with a beginning, middle and end. Usually, you know, three acts, even in a one-man show. I would think that would be probably the difference. Okay. You know, okay. although sometimes with jokes, there can be, there's, there's, there's one-liners. You know, like a one-liner would be, uh, my mom's eighty-seven. She's separated from my dad right now. She said she's going to start dating, and I go, well, carbon dating, <laughs> right? So right. that's like a one-liner, right? But then I got other stuff in my act where I got this bit about women where I say, um, all men should have at least two women. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, what a little pervert. This old guy wants two women for himself. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying no woman should have to put up with any man 24 hours a day. They should run that shit in shifts. Yeah. Daytime swing shift graveyard. You know, she gets off work. How was it? Well, you know, he bitched and moaned for the first hour and a half. I gave him a couple screwdrivers. He slept the last six and a half hours. Did you feed him? Yeah, you're good to go, girl. So then I say, because uh, men are idiots. We, yeah. we, so when you call us idiots, woman, we know this already. You're not telling us anything we don't know. We don't get mad when you call us stupid. But come on, you know this about us. You know you can't leave us alone for more than two or three hours at a time. You yeah. know we need coffee. We need constant supervision. You go to the store, you come home. I bought a Corvette on Craigslist. This is the shit we do. <laughs> I said, this is the only reason That's women fair. have children, so they can call home in the middle of the day and go, what's your father doing right now? Click. <laughs> so that has a beginning, middle, and an end. That's more like uh, a one-man show or a play, because mm -hmm. it had a beginning, then it had a middle and an end, and then it had an end, versus doing like a one-liner. So that's what Chris Rock does well. He he makes a statement about something, then he says it again, then he defends the statement, talks about it for a minute or two, and then makes a U-turn at the end with a great joke. Versus Seinfeld, who will make one observation and then kind of do a joke or two about it that's 30 seconds. Huh. I've never like broken yeah. down how like yeah. stand-up comedy and like yeah Louis stuff. yeah but the great thing about doing here's the thing set up punchline you can get more laughs but with the with the stuff that has a beginning middle and an end 
you can get the audience in a trance. You can literally hypnotize the audience because you're talking about something for a long time. They become mesmerized. And the great thing about that is you can take the audience anywhere you want to go. You can go faster. You can get angrier. You can go slower. You can literally stop talking and look at them, and they're still in a trance. Yeah, I I actually went and saw my first like stand-up comedy act back in a couple months ago. Yeah, I went and I saw Tom Segura, and I think he does that like the the elongated stories really well. Yeah, like I didn't, I wasn't expecting him to be up there for ninety minutes and like keep me entertained the entire time. Right. Yeah, and you know that's why a lot of people don't realize that's why Obama won the election in two thousand eight. It wasn't that he was a better candidate than Hillary, but his cadence when he talks. Mm-hmm. gets people in a trance yeah and he's mesmerizing when he talks and that's what won him the presidency i mean think about it he was the first freshman at harvard to ever be elected not only black person but first person ever to be elected head of the lawyers club at harvard and he did it when he was a freshman yeah so yeah never underestimate the power of knowing how to get an audience in a trance and you know, have beginning, middles, and end of talking for a long time. Well, as you can tell, we can't I never would have connected those. Yeah. But my friend told me, he said, he said something that changed my life in 2010. He said, politics, religion, and show business are all the same. It's about who can get the audience in a trance. And I was like, wow, that's really some deep shit. Yeah. Really, honestly, if I take anything from this, is that Obama's stand-up career is about to take off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He chose the wrong profession. Yeah. You and your you and your presidency. Yeah. You could have been a stand-up comedian yeah. and made you should more be doing money. Fun. You should be doing fucking open mics, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably go see Obama do an open mic. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd pay to watch that. Yeah. Uh, and then, so your most recent uh, credit is just, it's just listed as self on IMDb. It's called A Glitch in the Matrix. Um, can you tell us what you did? That, like, what were you yeah, doing? Yeah, that's a that? weird thing. There's still, I think there's still in, I don't even know what you call it. If they're in, um, if they're trying to sell it or they sold it, because the guy, the last thing I heard is they had some money for it. It's some kind of thing they did during COVID where they talked to people that were like working actors and comedians and they talked about what it was like trying to still work or not working while being on the, you know, shut down with COVID. and their goal is to put that show out. And then they have this other thing where they want to do uh, shows in 50 states to raise money to feed homeless people. That's their thing. So I don't know. I did. I came in. I talked for four minutes about what COVID had done to my life. And uh, basically, it trapped me in the house with my 33 cats for two years. So <laughs> we got 33 cats in our house. So anyway. You re- like really have 30? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good God. How do you do that? Here, here, here. Hold on, hold on. Here, how hold you, on. How do you, dis- was this, this an accident? Did this hold on, this hold on. Hey, Bo. Say hi, Bo. There's, there's Bo. Hold on here. Here's some more. Hi, baby. Hi. Hey. Hey. 
<laughs> They're all terrified. Yeah. <laughs> they all saw Nick. Yeah. Oh, that was understandable. Jesus. This is the newest member. This one's only like six weeks. Aw. <laughs> oh, he's being bothered. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Did you accidentally end up with 33 cats? Did they just start wandering um, in? Here's 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 what happened. <laughs> my uh, my wife's a nurse. I'll make a long story long. What happened is we uh, five in 2015 we sold our um, our townhome and we're getting ready to move in a house. So we had three cats and it was fine. But my wife had been feeding two cats on our porch. So the day before we were going to move, she says, "Well, you better trap those two cats on the porch because I'm not moving without them." I'm like, what? I go, they're feral cats. She goes, well, you better go buy a trap and trap. I go, you know, we got to take them to the vet and make sure they're okay. Because if they're sick and they come in, they're going to get the other cat sick. So I got to do all this knowing we're moving the next day. So I get the cats in the morning. I take them to the vet. The vet calls me. She says, I fixed the first cat. The other cat's pregnant with three cats. What do you want to do? I'm like, oh my God. So I go to my wife. I said, you know, she goes, you can't kill those three kittens. That's good luck. So now we go from having three cats one day to having eight the next. So we move in. It's fine. We got eight cats. It's a lot of cats, you know. <laughs> um, and then there's a couple cats that start coming on the back porch of my wife's feet. And then she says, oh, I really like this cat. Let's bring him in. So I don't know. We bring in two or three and we're up to 11. Well, then, meanwhile, there's a lady across the street and there's more cats in the neighbor because we live on horse property and people just leave their animals. So we start trapping them and getting them fixed because we don't want more cats. Mm -hmm. Well, by this time, my wife brought a couple more in. We're up to maybe 16 cats in the house. And there's three or four in the front yard. Two in Hold the on, Nick. He's going to double that number here in a oh, second. Yeah. I know. Oh, <laughs> well, here's what happened. There was one kitten that got pregnant, and we got the four kittens in, and then we couldn't catch her, and she got pregnant one more time. And then so we went with her and the four, and four, we went from 16 to 25. <laughs> Shit. And then there was one more outside we didn't get in time, and she had four. So that got us from, uh, to 31, and then we just brought these two new kittens. My friend calls me the other day. No, actually got us to 30. And then here's how bad my wife has hypnotized me. In December, um, I'm going along Facebook. and Some girl that befriended me, she has a shelter like 10 miles up the road. And she had posted a picture of uh, this kitty, black cat, kitten, missing an eye. And she says, hey, this kitty needs a home, da da da, da. And then I come back from like a ship two weeks later and she has the picture up there again. Nobody taking this cat. And I'm like, fuck, nobody's taking this cat because it's got one eye and it's a black cat. And, you know, these stupid people, old black cats are unlucky, bullshit like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I call and I say, okay, I got to go on a boat again in two weeks for two weeks. If I come back and nobody's taking the cat, I'll come get it. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, I get back and uh, she said, nobody got him. So I paid the 152, get him his two shots, he'd already been fixed. And so we brought him back and we named him Jack Sparrow because, you know, he's got one eye. <laughs> um, 
And then that was it. We were at 31 and I didn't want any more cats. Well, my realtor texts me about six weeks ago (laughs) and she says, um, this mom cat got hit by a car on Monday and she had four kittens and my daughter goes out to start the car the other day and two kittens are stuck inside of her engine. And she says, we called all the shelters, but they're all full. Because, you know, a lot of people gave their pets back during COVID because they couldn't afford to feed their animals. Anymore. That's the other problem. Yeah. So I tell my wife, of course, my wife, she's like, oh, yeah, bring the kitties. So that's how we got to 33. <laughs> it's if we insane. ever have them back on, I can't wait for that number to be doubled. Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> next, I, I, next time you're on, he's like, yeah, so now I'm at 104 cats. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, at so this point, just at this point, just start a shelter and get the yeah. tax right off. I, and, you know, I always tell my friends, my day starts with nine litter boxes. So, you know, once I'm done cleaning those, it can only get better. It can only dude. it can only get better. <laughs> that, that's a metaphor. Nine litter boxes every day is a metaphor for life. I you have know? one dog and that's too much. <laughs> right. So the, the final question I have for you then yeah. um, is uh, out of all of your projects and all of the things that you've done in your life. Um, what is a story you don't get to tell and wish you could or is what's there a project that you have that people don't ask you about like what's something that you don't get asked about that you want to answer oh god what what a great question um we saved the best one for last because everything else is generic yeah um (laughs) oh here's kind of a crazy story um i don't get asked about it because people don't know about there was this movie called uh, mafia kingpin uh 1999 i can't remember the year they had an open call um they had like 900 people call the open hall i get the fourth lead it's a coppola movie pacino starring and then i'm so excited and then two weeks before principal photography so trope studios goes bankrupt and they close the movie down Ooh. <laughs> that's depressing. That's rough. That is depressing. Yeah. yeah. That's really depressing. God. Yeah. So anyway. So that taught me that and Kung Fu taught me you never know. Just always be nice and respectful and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, oh, can I be can I yeah. before I go just uh tell people they want to follow me? I'm on yeah. Instagram at Keith Ross Nelson. And my website is keithrossnelson.org. Yep. So your listeners hope they follow me on Instagram. And yeah, that's I hope it. so too. It's it. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah. To you. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are cool. This has been great. Man, with the cats. That's a great yeah. story. Man. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Who Who would have thought that would be a conversation? Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, have okay. to talk about it when you bring up that you have 33 of them and you're not yeah. exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I was. Yeah. I was following on Instagram. A, there I you wish go. I was a pathological liar, but I'm not. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Keith, for coming on the show and everyone yeah. follow him on his social media. Thank you very much, Thank man. You. Have a good day, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode and a special thank you to our special guest for coming on the show. 
If you liked the episode, come tell us your thoughts and join the conversation over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also share the episode and give us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, it would be great if you helped us out by becoming a patron. On Patreon, you get unedited video versions of most of our episodes, and you get some extra bonus content, such as the Taskmaster live streams that are no longer available for free out there in the universe. You have to get them on our Patreon. Also, we have our Goes to the Movies podcast, where Jeff watches movies for the very first time because Jeff doesn't enjoy friendship and refuses to watch movies all the time. So yeah, that'd be great. Also, you can find us on themisfitfaction.com. We are a part of that network now, and we are enjoying every second of it. All right, that's it for this week. Join us again next time, wherever you hate to see it.